<laughs> oh, you do it now. I'm self-conscious. Fine. Audio action. <laughs> Salutations. Salutations. I'm Sophia's friend Bronwyn. And I'm Bronwyn's friend Sophia. And this is Quotes, Quotes and, and anecdotes. anecdotes. And it is a Tuesday. Um, which does not have too much to do with anything, but it is, <laughs> in fact, a Tuesday. I'd just like to say that Bronwyn was British first. Um, <laughs> Sophia, I'm not actually British. I've been lying to you this whole time. <gasps> How could you? I thought you were my friend Bronwyn. <laughs> I actually never lied to Sophia and said that I was British. I, did, I don't. Just in case you thought she was serious. <laughs> yeah, in case you thought I'd tell my friends that I'm British. Um, but yeah... You know, rainy Tuesday. Rainy Tuesday. Um, it's very dark outside right now, and it's making it feel like we're recording this at 9 o'clock at night. And I know. It's only 5.30, and then but that, it feels very late. Yeah. And now I'm going to go home and be like, oh, it's so late, though. I can't do any homework. <laughs> Guess I got to go to bed. It's already uh, 7. Oof. But it's very dark out. It was very warm the past two days, and then it got cold again. Yeah. And, like, it's definitely not a good thing for it to be 60 degrees no. in January, but boy, I did enjoy it. <laughs> it was really nice to not have to wear a winter jacket. Yeah. Although I don't wear a winter jacket anyway, but you know. It was it was enjoyable. It was. Should we move into wordlets, you know? Yeah, Just get, the get ball started rolling. really quickly. Sure. Okay. Would you like to start? I would love to. My first word is a word that we learned... In an English lesson about philosophy, I think. And it's a word that is epistemology, which is the theory of knowledge, especially with regards to its methods, validity, and scope. Ooh. Epistemology is an investigation of what distinguishes justified belief from opinion. So it's basically a theory about, like, just like knowledge and thinking and so... A theory about theories? <laughs> That's amazing. It's truly Inception. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just a cool word. Um, it sounds fun to say. Yeah. Epistemology. <laughs> I know. You could say it and, like, try to be super pretentious and just be like, you know, epistemology is a topic that's not often brought up in these discussions. Well, and it's funny because on the one hand, it is, like, fun to be pretentious and argue what really make something valid or a belief in what is just an opinion but really why do we care about that <laughs> i'm sure there are much bigger issues we could be concerned about right but of course it is you know fun to judge other people based off of <laughs> the depth and scope th- scope <laughs> depth and scope that'll be my words. word like next week scope, scope. okay you know <laughs> um but yeah it was a fun word and yeah you know just wrote it down my margins <laughs> that's cool i do that all the time in latin just be like oh this is a cool word lit which is yeah. what i did with this one <laughs> but yeah what's your word sophia um, my word is syncasis. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, it's spelled in a fun way. It's spelled S-Y-N-C-H-Y-S-I-S. So two Y. There's, it's not often that you find two Y's in a word, but <gasps> my second word has two Y's as well. Wow. So I think they're both cool. 
Um, but synthesis is, we learned about this in Latin. Um, it's a rhetorical technique wherein words are intentionally scattered to create bewilderment or for some other purpose. So basically, poets are just like, heck, you guys, we're going to confuse you and use this tactic, this Very rhetorical good. tactic. Um, by disrupting the normal course of a sentence, it forces the audience to consider the meaning of the words and the relationship between them. So really, poets are just kind of screwing with people when they use yeah. this tactic. That's <laughs> like, amazing. heck, you guys, you need to think. Um, and the the way that it was explained to us in Latin was um, like an A-B-A-B sequence, um, which I the only other time I've heard, like, it's used in a different way grammatically with Latin, but... Um, the other time I've heard that used is, like, with rhyming. Yeah. So, like, a line that ends with A and then B and then A and then B. It's like the like rhymes, rhyme, rhyme mix and match. And stuff. Yeah. And there was another word lit, which I almost include, which is chiasmus, which <gasps> is um, a B B A sequence yeah. in poetry. Um, Do you know so why it's, like, because it's, like, a break, it's, like, a, like, we because between the A's, like a there's, like a, there's, like, a break. <laughs> that's cool. Um, that's very that? cool. It's, you know, it makes me, it's, like, is it, like, when people use, just do something unexpected so that you're, like, wait, <laughs> wait, what did you just say? And then you have to stop and, like, think about it? Sort of. Um, it's, I mean, we're reading Ovid right now in Latin, which is, um, you're reading Homer, like, it's not that different, um, except, you know, completely different languages, but it was a similar thing with how, like, Homer would, like, there's a specific, it's called Homeric Greek, because he would take all these liberties with the language, Ovid does that, not to the same extreme, I, I think, but, like, there are certain words that he changes so that they fit the scheme of it his just, poetry. It's like Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Where it's, like, I could, you know, mix and match these words, and then you can guess what it means. I could just drop a letter because I feel like it and confuse every single student in the class because it sounds nice. And but... I can't think of a rhyme, so I'll make it rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's uh, very good. Every once in a while, our Latin teacher will point out a line and be like, what rhetorical technique is this? And we have to figure out. <laughs> and then everyone panics and says, uh, what one, what one, what one? Um... We have to figure out, is, is it A-B-B-A? Is it A-B-A-B? But, but there's yeah. some people who out of nowhere can just tell you, you know, I know it's this ridiculous. word is a third, aorist, second, middle, passive, and like participle. That yeah. doesn't make sense, but still, and I'm, I'm, I, oof, I always feel a little bit incompetent when yeah. someone does that. Like third declension, feminine, adjective, like it's crazy. Which is also like, we should know. yeah. But it's hard to keep but, track. But, uh, like, the people that do it so quickly are the ones, like, the our teachers <laughs> are the ones that amaze me. Yeah. Always. My second wordlet is hermeneutic, which is Ooh. also along the same lines, same lesson in English, talking <laughs> about, like, Freud, Darwin, and Marx, and all the cool people. Um, and it means a method or theory of interpretation. So while... Epistemology is kind of the theory of knowledge. Hermeneutic is a method or theory of interpretation. So it's like how you go about um, what rules you follow to interpret something, whether you're going to be super literal or uh, metaphorical or whatever. It's usually applied to like the Bible, 
but it's also like in general just literary um it's a literary method but that's cool it's a cool word that is a very cool word yeah what's your next wordlet <laughs> my next wordlet is another poetic rhetorical advice uh, rhetorical advice, rhetorical <laughs> technique, um, and it is metonymy, which also has two Y's. It's spelled M-E-T-O-N. Stop laughing at me. <laughs> Let me be excited about my, I was about to say vowels, but Y isn't truly a vowel. It can be. It's both. Whoa, that's why Y is such a cool letter. Right. Sorry, I spent too much time on um, on my word list today, so I'll just go through this one really quickly. Um, and it means the substitution of a name, uh, of the name of an attribute or adjunct for that of the thing meant. For example, suit for business executive or the track for horse racing. So um, the example that we found in Ovid was Poseidon was described as um, a Cyruleus Frater, which means blue brother. So they didn't say Poseidon, they said Zeus's blue brother. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Instead. Um, but yeah, that's all. Sounds I spent too much time on people use it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All, both a of, bunch of suits came of in holding briefcases. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do that by accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all four of our words were things that you can use quite pretentiously. Yeah. So you know, people must be dying to know what our what our topic is this week, Sophia. <laughs> What's our topic this week, Sophia? Um, I'm not sure if you were trying to do a pun with that, no. but... <laughs> I wasn't. It's a little it's a pretty concerning. Grim pun. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's oh, why I was concerned. I was just being dramatic. Oh, okay. Um, our topic this week is movies. So we've done, um, something similar to the way that this is formatted. That was the weirdest possible way I could have said that. But we've, <laughs> we've done episodes similar to this with podcasts and TV shows and books. And music. And music, yeah, sort of. Music is a little different. But we have never done, we realized, we have never done movies. <laughs> um, so that's what we decided to do today. We each have one movie, and we're going to talk a little Some bit. Some of our favorite movies. Yes. We've both seen both movies, and we both loved both of them. I just said both 80 times. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad math. Um, <laughs> anyways, they're both movies that we really enjoyed, mm-hmm. and we're excited to talk about them. We're going to summarize them, um, include a couple of quotes, a word from each one, and why they mean a lot to us. Yeah. It's like a get-to-know-you game. <laughs> okay, so, my name is Bronwyn, and my movie... <laughs> Hi, Bronwyn! <laughs> and my movie is The Imitation Game. Such a good movie. Such a good movie. I loved it. It's all one of the best movies of yes, all time. Yes, it is. I'll give a little brief, you know, summary of it. Um, but it is basically a movie. Um, it's kind of like, you know how they'll do movies that are kind of like a documentary of someone's life? They, they are based in fact, but they will like cast actors to play them and it's like they can take a little bit of liberty with some other things. But it's pretty close to the actual story. Um, and it's a story of the English mathematical genius Alan Turing, 
who during World War II tried to crack the German Enigma code with the help from fellow mathematicians and, spoiler alert, succeeded. <laughs> he builds, builds a machine um, which cracks can, can crack the code. And he uh, was, his name is Alan Turing, and so for a long time, he basically built the first computer, essentially. So for a long time, the first computers, computers were called Turing machines, um, because... Can you imagine how cool that would be to just create something and all of a sudden it's a Brahmin machine? That would be so strange. Like, that's very cool. Is that... Yeah. Computer. A computer computes things. That's why... Be, that's why I was calling trying it to spell it in my head and I thought it was T-U-R for a second there and that was a bad moment <laughs> yeah. I had a long day <laughs> yeah, but like that's why it was co- because what this machine could do is it can compute large amounts of data and organize it and find um, results super quickly so that's kind of what was needed to crack the German code called Enigma um and so, in case you don't know, Enigma was this um, this machine that the German used in World War II to send messages. And it would randomly, like I think it was every day, create a new set of letters. Like it would create a new, it would, um, it was like a, it was like a code where you, each letter is assigned to a different letter. And it's one thing you can crack that one day, but it might take all day to crack it, and then by that point, it's not any use because you can't use it from there on out. So that was kind of, this machine was able to process um, the messages that were intercepted and that kind of thing, and find the patterns and and crack the code um, at a speed much faster than any human could. Um, And so this movie kind of follows his journey through that and and his life. and it's a really good movie. Um, he's played by Benedict Cumberbatch, who's an one of my favorite actor. actors. Um, and the other lead character is Joan um, Clark, played by Kira Knightley, my other favorite actor. Um, <laughs> She's also amazing. And she was actually the only female member of the team. Um, and she, like, while she had trouble kind of progressing in the field because of course people weren't so happy to have her there she was one of the brightest minds and incredibly important um but it kind of follows especially turing's journey and it's really close to the truth um and if you don't know so alan turing turing was homosexual and when um a series event of events led to the british government finding out and so his career was ended because he was um, in such a secretive field that they were like, oh, no, you like, being compromised, and they, like, kicked him out of the field, even though he had, like, aside from all the issues for why they did that, like, he also was an incredibly important, um, person in, 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 in cryptanalytics, and so that was, like, just not a good decision, um, but he was also put on a medication which contributed to his suicide two years later, so it's quite a sad story, um, and it, it's kind of one of the reasons people didn't really know who he was before this movie, because I think for a long time, people just 
didn't talk about him. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until 2013 when Queen Elizabeth II finally issued a royal pardon. Um, wow. Because, so in 2009, another um, computer programmer from England um, started a petition to um, pardon his charge, which was a conviction for gross indecency at the time. Um, and that just, it didn't go through. And so for like four years, people were, were working on it. And finally, she issued only the fourth pardon since the end of World War II um, for him. And it led to um, a, a movement and a, a, a new piece of, a, a, a new law called that, which is now called the Alan Turing Law. And this is in the UK, which is an informal term for the law in the UK con- contained in the Policing Crime Act of 2007, which serves as an amnesty law to retroactively pardon men who are cautioned or convicted under historical legislation that outlawed um, homosexuality in England. So he's really influential not only in the field of programming, but also in um, for like human rights um, in the in the UK, even after his death, which is so incredible. Yeah. Um, And this movie came out in 2014, so just a year after that. And something that's really cool at the end of the movie, because they follow him through this entire journey, at the very end, they kind of do a little bit of an epilogue where they talk about, like, what actually happened um, and how he's only just been pardoned and, like, kind of what it means. And it's a really good movie, um, because it's very real. Yeah. (laughs) So the word I chose was enigma, because, you know, that was the whole thing. Um, And it's kind of funny because not only was the German machine called an enigma, called enigma, but that means a person or a thing that is mysterious, puzzling, or difficult to understand. And in some ways it is kind of interesting how that's reflected because Alan Turing was an outsider. Like in many ways, even when he, before he was kind of outed, he just didn't quite fit in with people. And so it is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of ironic or interesting that that applies. But it comes from the word, the Greek word ainos, meaning fable, and then ainesthe, which means to speak elusively. Wow, that's quite <laughs> <Yeah>. the word. <laughs> and then enigma in Greek and then Latin, and then it became enigma in the mid-16th century. Um, but yeah, very interesting. That's a really cool word. I was proud I remembered it because I wasn't quite <laughs> sure what else I was going to do there. Yeah. And I just have like two quotes. The first one is, sometimes it is the people no one imagines anything of who do the things that no one can imagine. Just very inspirational um, because it's true. No one even thought, one, that there was any way to break the, this um, this code, but also that there was any way to um, build something like a computer, right? Um, And also, no one thought anything of Alan Turing. He was just another guy who said, oh, I can can do this. Um, And I don't know what that doesn't mean too much, but I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, that's very good. That's very sweet. Yeah. Um, Very inspiring. And the next one is the candidates are taking a time test. Um, And this is when Alan Turing is building his team. Um, and he, you know, send out a newspaper ad and they have a whole bunch of people in. 
and the other person administering the test says after it's like a crossword puzzle essentially that they hand out and Alan says okay six minutes bless you, you. six minutes to solve it um, and he says um, Stuart Menzies says six minutes is that even possible and Alan says no it takes me eight and then Joan Clark raises her hand and Alan Turing says you're finished five minutes 48 seconds and Joan says you said to finish under six minutes so she was also a very brilliant mind um, and it's really interesting and inspirational I think because even though like she didn't particularly seek the spotlight and what they were doing was top secret at, at the time and honestly even now but it's still um, too bad that she wasn't given more of an opportunity because mm -hmm. even like I mean the way they portray it in the movie like she comes to the testing room and they're like what are you doing here right and so and she's the only one who like she's one of very few who probably even got the chance to try to be part of the team and then to actually be part of the team was a huge deal um, yeah and she's very powerful and it's very cool that like a I mean, and they portrayed this very well in the movie that a woman did this faster than supposedly like the brightest mind in cryptoanalytics yeah. at the time, and was like, "You said to do it under six. I got it." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How impressed um, Turing was in the movie was also very well portrayed because he was trying to like stay stoic or whatever. It was, exactly. it was very good and very inspiring for me when I saw it to be like, "Wow, that's a cool historical." Woman. Yeah, like that's amazing. well, and I was really worried because sometimes they'll kind of try to in in documentaries or movies like this they'll try to kind of like retroactively make it look better by right. having um, a character who in no way would have been able to or been given the opportunity to succeed. Mm -hmm. But this like is pretty close to the actual story. Like she was a part of the team. She was an incredibly important person. She ended up like ha um, being the <clears throat> she wasn't able to be promoted very high, but she was incredibly like essential for the for the whole um, project and other projects in crypto analytics. Um, and she was also one of Alan Turing's like one of the few people that he was really close friends with because um, again he was kind of an outsider, and he had a good friendship with her, which was. I don't know. Nice that that was also not just a thing of the movie. It was yeah. actually in real life. Um, and it's so it's always so refreshing to see a relationship between a man and a woman that's not romantic because I feel <laughs> like every like there's never just a friendship. Yeah. And it was really nice to see that as well. I think so. I absolutely agree. My last quote is something that I found cool, and I'll explain it after. But um, at the end, Alan is talking to Detective Robert Knock. Um, to about a, a couple of different issues, um, which I won't go into for the sake of spoilers, but he is kind of being his usual, you know, somewhat pretentious self, and he <laughs> says, and he's the one being interrogated here, and he goes, the imitation game, De detective, right, that's, that's what it's about, Alan, would you like to play? play? It's a game, a test of sorts, for determining whether something is a, a machine or a human being. Detective, 
How do I play? Alan. Well, there's a judge and a subject, and the judge asks questions and, depending on the subject's answers, determines who he's talking with, what he's talking with, and um, all you have to do is ask me a question. Um, and again, this is kind of the imitation game, the name of the movie. It's about Alan kind of f trying to fit in somewhere where he isn't necessarily wanted and, and maybe having to deal with um, being honest or pretending to be someone else. But what he's actually talking about is something called the Turing test, which he wrote about in a paper and is still used today. And it's a test that is used to kind of see how the capabilities of artificial intelligence. So for example, there was one um, that was like a poet, poetry bot, and it would make po poems by itself. And what happens is there's a human judge who has to try to pick out, if they can tell that a machine made it, then it doesn't pass the test. But mm. if, if it passes, then you know you have a pretty good piece of artificial yeah. intelligence. And very, very few things do. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. And it's funny that they worked it in so well to this movie. And I was reading this quote and I was like, oh my goodness, this is like actually a thing. <laughs> That's so cool. I had no idea. Yeah. So I got really excited about that. That's very cool. Yeah. So I guess at the end we'll talk about what these movies mean to us. Because we both have sure. seen them and we can both discuss both. Yeah. It's a really... Please watch The Imitation Game, yeah. guys. It's such... It's an incredible movie. Very well done. Mm-hmm. Shall I do my movie? Sure. <laughs> um, so the movie I chose is actually very similar to The Imitation Game in many ways. Um, and it's called The Theory of Everything. It came out... A, almost like the same year, I think around the same time as The Imitation Game did. Um, and it is also about a scientist in, oh god, I don't know the time period. In the 1960s, yes. Um, so a couple of years after The Imitation Game took place. Mm -hmm. But um, similar mindset, I guess. And it's about the scientist Stephen Hawking. So I guess a, a quick summary that I found on IMDb is the theory of everything is the story of the most brilliant and celebrated physicist of our time, Stephen Hawking, and Jane Wilde, the art student he fell in love with while studying at Cambridge in the 1960s. Um, and over the court, they fell in love and got married. And over the course of their marriage, as Stephen's body collapsed, he um, because he had AI. yes, I skipped over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me get. I was oh, going to yeah, just, just like, his body just collapses. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, he is diagnosed with something called motor neuron motor neuron disease or ALS at a very young age, um, and. He Jane still decides to marry him, but over the course of it, that was where I was getting to. I skipped over a line, and then that didn't make much sense. Um, so over the course of their marriage, as his body collapses due to this disease, which I'll go into in a second, um, and his academic renown soared because he was also a brilliant mind, um, fault lines were exposed mm, that tested the alignments of their relationship and dramatically altered the course of both of their lives. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Um, but it's a really good movie as well. Um, it is also about this phys physicist, and um, the premise is, I mean, it's essentially the same thing. It's about, it's a historical movie that may not be perfectly accurate at times, but is generally 
a good depiction of this person's life. Um, and they explain like he was he's studying at Cambridge and he is so excited he wants to create this equation like a perfect equation that can like explain everything the theory of everything how did the universe start and like he wants to figure out how it all um, came together and yeah. it's very cool and he there's one specific uh, quote where when he meets first meets Jane, where he says, I'm a cosmologist, and she goes, what's that? And he goes, I studied the marriage of space and time. It's, it's, again, very pretentious, like the marriage of space and time. And they're all British. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. So it's, it's very good. And um, the film, unlike The Imitation Game, the film doesn't focus as much on the scientific and mathematic aspects of his career and more on the romance between him and Jane and the progress of this disease. And so the most heart-wrenching scenes are when you see him like working on mathematical equations or trying to raise a family and he's just so limited by this disease which sort of I don't remember exactly how it works but it's an autoimmune disease where the I think I like cells or something just attacks your muscles so that eventually you lose function throughout your body. So like by the end of Stephen Hawking's life, the only muscle that was still working was a muscle in his cheek. And that was what he used to speak. He would like have It's to, incredible. It's crazy. It would like, take if him if you haven't seen videos of how he like talked, it's really cool because he was able to communicate using one muscle. One because muscle. of the technology we have today. And yeah, there's also a really impactful like it's just wild. Like he I I believe how it worked. I once I watched this movie, I watched all these interviews and got really excited and all these YouTube videos about Stephen Hawking. And I believe how it worked was that he would twitch his cheek muscle and it was like a, a, an alphabet that he had yeah. in, on his computer and he would like twitch it and let it rest on the letter and then the letter would type and then he'd go to the next letter. Yeah. So just imagine like the patience that that had to take and he wrote an entire book and just it's it's crazy and incredibly And then there's inspiring. an emotional... I don't know if you're talking about this and I'm going to steal it from you. Go for it. Well, there's an emotional part in, like, the movie where he lose, He realizes, like, how am I going to continue this career if I can't communicate with people? Like, mm -hmm. that's all I have left. And so when they figure out a way where he's not muted, where he's, like, able to express himself, it's, right. like, incredible. Yeah. And one of the most impactful um, moments, well, maybe not impactful, but a an interesting moment of the movie was when he's first diagnosed with this disease. His first question is, what about the brain? And the doctor says, it doesn't affect the brain at all. So he's like, okay, so I can continue my work. And then another plot point in the movie is him telling Jane, I have two years left to live, which obviously he didn't. He lived for 50 years with yeah. Motor neuron disease, but originally they thought he was only going to live for two, and told her I I need to work. And also spoilers, but she's like, no, I love you. <laughs> like I'm going to spend as much time with you as as we have, and that's also is very sweet. Yeah. Um. So it mostly focuses on this the progress of this disease and how it affects his personal life, but there are also some really interesting science yeah. moments as well. Um. <laughs> The actor who played Stephen Hawking is probably my favorite actor ever, um, and it's Eddie Redmayne, who is so 
good. He's a really good person. He's an incredible actor. <laughs> and he's just like, he's very sweet. I watched countless <laughs> interviews with him um, when I first saw this movie. Um, but he, Benedict Cumberbatch was also nominated for the Oscar for Best Actor for The Imitation Game. Really? And like the I, same year? Yeah, the exact same year. Whoa. No, that's why I was saying, like, these two movies, very similar premises, made at yeah, the same time. Yeah, they, they had to year. choose, like, and one they, of like, very, two both very Both of them were abs- I could not choose. I would yeah. not have been able to choose. No. Like, both of them were absolutely incredible act- actors. Um, the really cool thing about Eddie Redmayne, which possibly could yeah. have given him a leg up, was that he, like, spent hours with a physical therapist learning how to make his body look like he had motor neurons. Yeah, it was So, like, incredible. he would have to learn to relax certain muscles and just not use them because that's what Stephen Hawking looked like. And he did all this research and spent all this time. And it was even harder because they had to jump around chronologically. Yeah. So he couldn't, like... Some days he would have to be in a wheelchair and some days he'd have to be, like, up and walking again or on crutches or at various stages in the disease. And... Just the amount of work that went into that. Had yeah, to be he did a phenomenal job. Um, but he, so he won the Oscar, and his speech I thought was was very cool because he, in his speech, he was like, first of all, freaking out and very excited and not able to believe it, but also he said, "This Oscar is not for me. It's dedicated to everyone out there who's currently struggling with ALS." Yeah. And it was it was very cool. Um, and something else really cool about the film is that unlike Alan Turing, Stephen Hawking was still alive while they were filming Theory of Everything. So he was in, not super involved because there's he also has a quote he where it's like, I don't yeah. read biographies of my own life or something like and that. And he also like didn't stop working. Exactly. Ever. Like yeah. he never retired. He worked at like Just Cambridge. Was constantly. Cambridge? I think so. Yeah. Like for his entire life. Yeah. He's, he's, he was an incredible um, scientist, and he's a very cool person. Um, but he had the opportunity to watch the film, and his reaction was, and this is a quote, um, I thought Eddie Redmayne portrayed me very well in the Theory of Everything movie. He spent time with ALS sufflers, su- sufflers? <laughs> sufferers, so he could be authentic. At times, I thought he was me. Seeing the film has given me the opportunity to reflect on my life. Although I'm severely disabled, I have been successful in my scientific work. I travel widely and have been to Antarctica and Easter Island, down in a submarine and up on a zero-gravity flight. One day, I hope to go into space. I've been privileged to gain some understanding of the way the universe operates through my work, but it would be an empty universe indeed without the people that I love. And that is amazing, because a lot of the movie is also like, you are so focused on work, take a break. (laughs) Um, But it's very interesting to see that in his later years, he was able to take a step back and see... Like, I, obviously, my work is my life is very important, but none of it would matter if I didn't find people that I love in this life. And I thought that was very That's really sweet. good. He also reportedly, when he saw the film, shed a tear, which is also very impactful because just... It's hard like, to cry about your own life, I would think, you know? Like, yeah. to see it and find... Well, you lived through it, so would it make you that emotional? And evidently it did. Yeah, which is very, very incredible. Yeah. So it's a cool, it's a very cool film. Um, 
to get into some words and quotes, my word from the movie is cosmology, which is the science of the origin and development of the universe. Modern astronomy is dominated by the Big Bang Theory, which brings together observational astronomy and particle physics. Woo! I love that. <laughs> of course you love that. It's a very cool branch of astronomy, and Stephen Hawking was a cosmologist. Um, the etymology of cosmology, um, co it comes from Greek as well. So it comes from the Greek word cosmos, which means order of the world, which, oh my goodness, that is such order a cool Order or word. world. Order or world. I thought it said order of world. <laughs> <laughs> um, order or world. And so never mind. Mm -hmm. I thought it meant order of the world. It's just it's order or cool. world. still <laughs> cool. It's, it's still very cool. Um, and then logia, which means discourse. And then French, cosmologie. No. Cosmologie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which combined with modern Latin, cosmologia, and then cosmology in the mid-17th century. And mm. as I mentioned the in the movie, the way that this comes up is Stephen Hawking says to Jane, I'm a cosmologist. I study the marriage of space and time. <laughs> and she goes, I study arts or something like that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, the way they introduce themselves is like, sorry, my voice. Um, science arts and it's very cute <laughs> um but yeah i just have two quotes from the movie and they're not i don't know if they're quite as cool as yours they're more like general but um the one that is probably well actually i'll end with that one um one that was just very impactful is when uh steven is telling jane um listen I was diagnosed with this disease. I have two years left to live. We can't continue this relationship. I need to spend these two years working and studying science and all that. And she goes, no, no, no. <laughs> like I, and the quote is, I want us to be together for as long as we've got. If that is not very long, well, then that is just how it is. And that, I mean, I'm going to start getting really cheesy, but like that's very true love, I think, when you realize that someone who you fall in love with is, well, in a very extreme version, die, or maybe, like, move away, or have some disease that makes you unable to see them, or something like that. It is very cool when you say, like, no, I want to be together for as long as possible, and if that's not very long, that's just how it is. I'm going to be with you. <laughs> so that was said by Jane in the movie. Um, and then the other quote, is my favorite and it is at the very very end of the movie when it's like closing out um on everything and it's said in Stephen Hawking's voice which I read something which I'm not sure if it's entirely true but like they use Stephen Hawking's actual um voice to say that this quote which hold on. anyways this quote is there should there should be no boundaries to human endeavor we are all different however bad life may seem there is always something you can do and succeed at while there is life, there is hope. And that was said by Stephen Hawking. Very powerful. Yeah. It's such a well-made movie. It is. It's an incredible movie. Like, everything from, I don't know, like, the fact that they do pay attention. Like, in both movies, it's very closely following two people's lives mm -hmm. that are both so interesting. And the fact that they're real makes them even cooler, you know? Yeah. And that they spend a lot of time, both of these movies, um, 
trying to be very like as historically accurate as possible and in the case of the theory of everything talking with Stephen Hawking yeah. and telling like giving him a private showing of the movie and I think he watched it with Jane too which is Aww. very cool that's amazing yeah they eventually got divorced because um which isn't really explored in the movie but or is it I, I think it is I think it is yeah it's a lot of pressure on Jane because yeah, even though reason, she, lo- she loves him so much and that's exactly. like they remained friends. Yeah. And that's um, the incredible part of it is they divorced because it was too much pressure on Jane to be taking care of Stephen with his disease plus th- the three kids that they have. It just became too much. And they wanted to preserve what they did have. Exactly. Um, but to this to the day that he died, they remained friends, and he had a good relationship with the family, and I thought that that was, that's very cool. Yeah. No, really yeah. Did you want to say a quick thing about why you love the imitation game? Okay, it'll be real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was just going to say, you know, why, why is the imitation game such a good movie, in my opinion? Well, as I am a huge fan of uh, computer science and that kind of thing, <laughs> um, it was very cool to learn the history of computers, um, in addition to it being played by my two two of my favorite actors, Keira Knightley and Benedict Cumberbatch, um, and it was having the historical, as I said before, like having the historical at the end, the little epilogue, having like a, a picture of the actual Alan Turing and making it a very real movie was very good. Of course, there's the mandatory emotional parts, oh, which, gosh, yes. as emotional as they may be, I do love a movie that has some emotion. Um, and I just and it was also a genre of movies I do quite enjoy. It's a good heist movie, and it had a little <laughs> bit of that. You like, do? Oh, I love a good heist oh, movie. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Not an action movie, a heist movie. Very different things here because one of them is like puzzles, and one of them is like hitting. And I'd rather the, have the puzzles. And this one has some good puzzles and that kind of, you know, figuring things out. And, like, you need to be quick on your mind and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I really like this movie. Yeah. That's very cool. Why do you like the theory of everything, Sophia? Well, for very similar reasons, Bronwyn. <laughs> um, I also thought it, like, I always love, well, I very much enjoy historical fiction. I always mm, have. I loved reading historical fiction yeah. books. And... I am now starting to also enjoy historical fiction movies, and even, this one, I don't even know if it qualifies as historical fiction, because it, like, they stayed as close to Stephen Hawking's life as possible. Um, but, like, I always love seeing the history of cool people who figured things out about the world, like, yeah. similar to Alan Turing, and things like that, and science is extremely cool, and I love hearing about these these brilliant minds that have managed to figure out problems and equations, and it's really inspiring to watch. Um, and even though the movie didn't focus as much on that part of it, that was definitely a very cool aspect. And then also bringing awareness to this really difficult disease mm-hmm. and the hardships that uh, Stephen Hawking had to overcome in order to continue to work on physics and how he did overcome them and continue yeah. to work on physics was really cool and inspiring. And it's also just a very good movie with very good actors. I forgot to mention, Felicity Jones, who is also another one of my favorite actors, um, plays Jane. 
and she does a really amazing job. She was also nominated for they an Oscar. Both, they both have good, very strong female leads. Yes. Both of these movies, which is always inspiring and yeah. refreshing and nice. It's always wonderful to see some good female leads. Yeah. We're at 45 minutes exactly. Oh my goodness, we're at the coolest. <laughs> we're just so good. Guys, thank you for joining us. Um, you know, if you have any good movies that you've been thinking about recently, why don't you recommend them to us? Yeah, Send that'd us be lovely. an email. You know what? We'll watch them together. Yeah, there and we go. And maybe we'll talk about them one day. There we go. But you have to send them to us first, otherwise <laughs> we can't do it. Um, send them to us at quotesandanecdotes at gmail.com. Um, follow us on Instagram at quotes.and.anecdotes. While you're there, follow our wonderful friend who did our cover art. You can find her at dino.byte on Instagram. Um, Rate, review, subscribe. Check out our theme music. Intro Ins- music is... Inspirational Life. Outro music is... Blossoming Inspiration. And have a lovely Wednesday. Yeah, and have a good rest of your week. And watch both of these movies. Yes, they're so good. spoiled them. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Bye, guys. Bye. Hands cut. Were they both British? I can get that. (laughs) Yes. I just kept on...